Welcome to Buildings and Beyond. The podcast that explores how we can create a more sustainable built environment. By focusing on efficiency, accessibility, and health. I'm Rob Aldrich. And I'm Kelly Westby. And before we get into this week's episode, we wanted to let you know about a couple of upcoming events. Dylan Martello, who is a Passive House consultant here at SWA, and is really instrumental in putting this podcast together, helping to produce the podcast. He's going to be speaking at both of these conferences, and he'll give you a little bit of info about them. Thanks, Rob. The first is Building Energy NYC Conference, taking place on October 3rd and 4th in New York City. The conference, which is presented by Northeast Sustainable Energy Association, or NESE, N-E-S-E-A, has become a staple for professionals and practitioners in the field of high-performance building, energy efficiency, and renewable energy. We have been to the Building Energy Conferences for many years now, and my colleagues and I are looking forward to returning for another great event. Visit nessie.org for more info. Yeah, I've been involved with Nessie for 20 years or so, and really good people, and I've learned tons at Nessie Conferences over the years. Next is the North American Passive House Network Conference and Expo taking place at the David L. Lawrence Convention Center in Pittsburgh, PA. Join us October 17th through the 21st, where we'll be speaking on a variety of topics related to Passive House. Visit napnconference.com for more info. Thanks, Dylan. Are you interested in becoming a certified Passive House designer or consultant? Check out North American Passive House Network's five-day training in various locations across the nation and every other month in New York City. See their website for an updated schedule. Welcome everyone. I'm very excited about today. It's a little bit of an indulgence for me because I am actually working on some, uh, planning some renovations for my own house. And so I have Sri Paragunta on from uh, Stephen Winter Associates. He's a mechanical engineer and focuses on residential home consulting, uh, mostly on the HVAC and mechanical side. Uh, he's also done a lot of residential research initiatives for different uh, programs, Building America, and various other programs. And today we're going to take a little bit of a personal tone and talk about renovations that he's done on, on his own house. So let's just jump right in. So Shri, um, thank you for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. I, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, a switch that you had made in your, in your life. We talked, I, I let everybody know a little bit about your background in, uh, in the um, built environment, in the residential sector, and you bought a house and uh, turned the tables and you were the client. So tell me a little bit about what that was like. Yeah, a couple years ago, um, I was living in a townhouse and had to deal with condo associations and not really being able to touch much in my house um, and decided to move out to the Burbs. Uh, and we ended up purchasing a 1960s split-level home. Um, while it had some nice updates in it from an aesthetic standpoint, it was your typical 1960s home in terms of everything that we love in terms of energy efficiency um, health and uh, so it was it was an interesting process um, one of the main things this was probably the first time we actually got into being the client so everything I've done has always been on the consulting side and it's easy to tell somebody what to do especially <laughs> yeah. when it's not your money um, but in this case it's both being the client and the consultant and of course having to see the bottom dollar 
Um, so it was really quite interesting in that aspect. And like every other project, you have to sort of make your selections of what you want to do, what you might do later on, and what you're just going to have to skip for this project. So. <laughs> yeah, and I'd love to get into all of that. But first, um, do you want to give uh, give me a little basic overview of some of the things that you did in sure. uh, did in your re- renovations? Yeah, it's um, the house itself is uh, right around sixteen hundred square feet. Um, it is, as I mentioned, a split level. Um, and the main things we focused on originally was, you know, the envelope. So first things were it had essentially R four degraded insulation in it, and um, we were looking at different ways to insulate that, both uh, in the walls and then also looking at the roof. Um, through the process of doing this, one of the interesting thing is um, we actually found that there was a very large pest infestation in the house. So mice, dead mice, literally everywhere. Um, roof, ceiling, basement. Um, it was pretty bad. But <laughs> we figured this is a perfect opportunity. We'll do air sealing. We'll uh, do the insulation. We'll be able to take care of the pest problem as well. Um, so that was the main thing that we did. Uh, we did dense pack cellulose into the exterior walls and then uh, closed spell spray foam in the ceiling. So just because it was, in most cases, a pitched roof, um, vaulted ceiling. Uh, we wanted to get a high enough R value in the ceiling, and so we did it at the roof deck itself. Um, some of the other things, the home was originally an oil boiler, um, and when we first were looking for a house, I was absolutely against an oil house. I said, no way. And when we put in the offer for the house, uh, I was standing in the street, and I there's a gas line in the street. And I mm-hmm. called the utility up. as like, I don't have gas. It's on the street. And they said, no, you don't have gas in your street. <laughs> I was like, I'm literally standing on the valve. And I took some while, but I finally got them to come out. And they're like, oh, yeah, you have gas. And so we were able to get gas connected to the house. So we did some improvements in terms of the old existing boiler, updating it to a tankless boiler. Um, we kept the radiant baseboards. Um, I didn't feel like doing any additional drywall work. So I said, hey, if we want to use it, we can have it. Um, there were some through-wall AC units in the house, um, but I was looking for something a little better than that. And again, part of trying to air seal through-wall units really don't cut it. Um, so we actually included uh, a multi-port uh, air source heat pump in the house as well. Because it's split level, we really didn't have an opportunity to put ductwork. So right. using the individual heads allowed us to get zoning as we wanted. Um, and meet our cooling needs. That's awesome. And you, um, I think you told me a story that I thought was really interesting, an anecdote about you had called your, uh, the people that used to live at your house and they had some issues with their children, had asthma symptoms while they were Mm -hmm. in the house. And when they left, uh, that they didn't really have those symptoms anymore. Yeah, I mean, this was one of, when we started doing uh, inspections and everything and we found all sort of the the, uh, issues with mice, um, there's feces everywhere. And so anywhere we were going, we were vacuuming everything up. And that's when I just, I had got some information from the previous homeowners because I was curious about their utility costs and stuff. So I had their information and I just sort of had an offhanded comment with them to talk about uh, health. And I was just like, you know, it seems like there's a lot of sort of pest issues in the house. Did your kids ever have any issues? 
And they had talked about sort of the kids, which were in their, I think they were five, seven years old. Um, and they said, yeah, they were having a lot of asthma issues. And then I said, you know, I might understand why they're having the asthma <laughs> right. issues. And they also just offhandedly mentioned that um, they, they sort of were reduced once they moved away. Um, they moved into a new construction house, which didn't have the same issues as their previous house. Um, so it was definitely high on our list to take care of um, as one of the priorities for any of the work we were doing. For your own family. Yep. And you'd mentioned kind of in the beginning a little bit about challenges with budgeting. Um, do you want to talk about what specific examples do you have that, uh, that came up that were issues that you maybe didn't predict in the beginning? Yeah, I mean, one of them, you always under budget. You, you think everything should be cheaper than it really is. But <laughs> once you get into it and you see all the details and you want to do it, you know, a high quality job, it, it ends up taking more than you originally estimate. But um, one of the big things that I really wanted to originally do was adding exterior rigid insulation to the home. So I figured it's two by four walls. Even if I dunce pack it, I'm getting into maybe R15. Mm-hmm. I can do a little better than that by putting an inch of rigid on the exterior. So it made perfect sense, um, but once we pulled down the siding and we're starting to look at it, we had done the dense pack of the cellulose from the exterior, actually. We didn't want to actually take down any of the interior drywall. Okay. Um, so we were able to do most of it not being so intrusive to the interior of the home. Um, but when doing that, we actually noticed the windows on half of the house were essentially retrofit windows that they installed at a later date, and the way they installed it was actually incorrect. And so we were actually having water that was draining back into the wall cavity. Um, so it wasn't something we were originally anticipating having to deal with in terms of cost. Wow, yeah. And so we ended up uh, sort of doing a trade-off there of buying half house of new windows and um, eliminating the rigid insulation. Okay, interesting. And did you find big issues? I mean, windows are obviously supposed to keep the water out, not funnel it into the wall cavity. So what, <laughs> was there any uh, major issues from that? Or We were fortunate. Um, I guess one of the things with old 1960 homes is that they're very leaky. So if they get wet, they dry out pretty quickly. There you go. Um, so there was some evidence of water damage, mm-hmm. um, but the real extent of it was really just changing some couple pieces of uh, plywood to the exterior, um, so there wasn't anything drastic. Right, but obviously the windows added a lot of costs. Yeah, and especially if with us insulating and tightening up the home, it would have been a serious issue moving forward if we would have left it the same way, because it wouldn't have dried out. Right, and um, what other, did you look at any uh, monitoring? Do you know how much energy consumption uh, was reduced by your retrofit? Yeah, um, so, because we're energy geeks, um, <laughs> certainly I wanted to know sort of everything about it. So as I mentioned, we reached out to the previous homeowners to get their utility bills. Um, so we actually got two years of their utility bills. And they are running roughly $7,000 um, a year for all their utilities. And um, we'd done modeling, but I really wanted to know a little deeper how much energy we'd be using um, so we had our own utility bills after a year, but I was curious really exactly where we're doing it. So we installed an um, energy monitoring system on our electric panel, and we took it a little extreme. So rather <laughs> than just doing the whole house and the solar, uh, we actually went um, to do every single circuit breaker. You know, just a little bit of overkill, but I was curious. Right, great. Um, and so we ended up 
uh, getting a lot of interesting data. I, I can certainly tell the patterns of my family and what they're doing. And what's <laughs> very typical. Um, but you can the end, tell we when were, your children are out of bed when they're not supposed to be. I can tell when he's turning on the TV without me knowing. <laughs> Side um, benefits. But uh, in the end, after the year of uh, monitoring it and looking at the utility bills, we were roughly fifteen hundred uh, oh, wow. annually. So it was a huge difference. So um, seven thousand to fifteen hundred. Yeah. Wow. I mean, part of that is uh, converting fuel. So we did switch from right. oil to natural gas, mm-hmm. but a large portion of that is energy savings, and then solar generation. Right, that's great. Did you get any incentives for any of the work, solar or otherwise? So we actually got uh, between state utility incentives and federal tax credit, we got roughly half of the solar um, cost of the solar system covered by incentives. And then uh, we got probably another 10% of cost for insulation, windows, uh, high efficiency uh, mechanical equipment. And one of the interesting things is uh, we actually, my house was the one uh, case study that we used to get the Connecticut multi-port heat pump uh, incentive. Oh, wow. So they only do, prior to that, they only did a single um, air source heat pump just a one-to-one unit, that's what they incentivized. And I, I actually had a single outdoor unit to multiple heads inside. And they said, well, you just get the incentive for one. Oh, I wow, said, that's great. That doesn't make sense. And then they said, well, you can put as many you know, one-to-one combinations as you want and get the incentive for each one that way. Right. It's like, what's the difference? A multi-pour or a single, it should essentially be the same. And I don't want to have you know four outdoor condensing units for no reason. Um, and so... We actually worked with uh, the utilities to revise their incentive program, and uh, we got incentivized for it. <laughs> there you go. That's great. Uh, benefits of being the client and the consultant at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> what else did you did you do anything in terms of automation? We hear a lot about you know uh, smart thermostats and learning thermostats, and uh, did you do anything in that world? Absolutely not. <laughs> um, I have enough frustrations in the day dealing with my computer at work and having <laughs> to do control, delete, and resets and uh, network issues. And when I get home, I, I really don't want to have to deal with another computer. Uh, I like a simple light switch. If I want light on, I'll turn it on. Um, we kept the most basic um, thermostats. Um, they are programmable. I don't program them. Um, we did sort of all the work to make it efficient house and I just set it to what temperature I want and it runs. Um, so Do you set it back manually during the day when you're at work? No. Okay. I mean, we, we set a higher cooling set point than probably most people, um, but I like it that way. Um, so we're not overcooling it during the day, but it's just a simple, I want it at 68 degrees in the winter, 78, uh, 77 degrees in the summer, let it be. Awesome. And um, do you, is there any difference between before you did this retrofit yourself and after in how you work with your clients or recommendations that you make to them? Certainly. Um, Working with the Department of Energy's Building America program, it's very much heavily focused on energy savings. So looking at site or source energy, but it's BTU saved. 
uh, KWH um, saved. And that's sort of the main metric that we're using. And a lot of times for um, clients, it was always return uh, on investment, simple paybacks. Everything was sort of a um, energy saved aspect to it. And going through this process, especially on sort of the health side of it, um, made it very clear to me the way we present um, the value of a lot of these uh, improvements needs to change. And so certainly health um, is one of the key ones that I focus on when trying to explain certain decisions and it may not have a, uh, a direct monetary payback, right. but productivity, long-term health, um, there's a huge value to that. Um, and then the other one, certainly comfort. It's a huge one that uh, we always want. Uh, you can always get comfortable with a house that sort of doesn't work exactly as you want after <laughs> a couple of years, but why? If you can make it comfortable for you rather than you adjusting to it, take the time to do it. And then the last one is really um, one I hadn't really thought about before was noise. Um, making stuff a little tighter, um, getting more insulation in the walls, um, the sound level significantly changes also. And so, especially with a lot of our high-end clients, noise control or um, abatement is just as important as a lot of the other aspects that we're trying to pitch to them. And so, sort of taking all those together, you can make a much fuller case to make a large uh, investment into projects um, rather than just focusing on energy. Right, yeah, I think that's really interesting and I've definitely come across <clears throat> a lot more of a focus on noise recently. Uh, and I don't know if our equipment has gotten noisier or, uh, or people are just, just more neighbors. attuned. Yeah. <laughs> or are, are less comfortable with just giving in to the uh, noisy equipment. So um, that's a really interesting anecdote. Um, sort of speaking about noise and other concerns, did you, was there anything that you, that you didn't do that you regret um, that you might go back and change later or? Um. Um, I mean, one we talked about was the exterior rigid insulation. And again, for that one, it, I think I'd do it more so than anything. I mean, I'm comfortable in the house, mm -hmm. but uh, from some other projects I've been on, certainly there's a noise benefit of having that exterior rigid insulation. So um, I've gotten used to it, but you know, every morning we're very well, much uh, woken up by the birds chirping outside. <laughs> and it's like, well, it's sort of a nice alarm clock, but it's sometimes it's like, mm, don't really want that on a Saturday <laughs> or Sunday morning. Yeah, you want to wait for your own alarm clock. Um, the other big one is probably actually um, one that I've done quite a bit of research on, and so that was actually our kitchen range. Um, they had done, the previous homeowners had done pretty extensive um, update on the kitchen, so I was you know, it's done. I don't have to do anything more to it. Um, but it was a microwave recirc fan. Um, and so it's beautifully laid out, but it has a microwave over the uh, range. And so I was like, what are we going to do here? And it's a vaulted ceiling. So it's, you know, running a pipe also through the vault, it's just not aesthetically going to look nice. But we were able to figure out a way to duct it to the outside within the wall cavity. Great. Um, so it's still a microwave range, but it is uh, our microwave range hood, but it is ducted to the outside. Um, so that's it's an improvement. It's not perfect, but it's an improvement. Yeah, yeah. And I would just bring up at this point that the um, 
I think it was NREL study that uh, looked at uh, particulates and exhaust or and uh, things given off by everybody's range. Yeah, aldehydes, particulate matter, formaldehyde. Yeah. And uh, and that they recommend a minimum of I think 200 CFM exhaust. Somewhere in you know 200 to 300 CFM range, um, a variable speed one, but sort of on the max range. If you have that along with the very good capture hood. So you really want a hood that extends all the way um, over your burners. Um, if you can do that, that CFM range works fairly well. Great, yeah. And I think they, they showed that a, a significant number of houses in the state, in the state of New York, I think, were, um, were the range was not operating properly. So Range doesn't operate properly and people don't turn them on. I mean, for it to be effective, you got to turn it on. <laughs> that is an excellent point. Um, that's great. And speaking of ranges, did what are your thoughts on induction stoves? So this is one or that's oven, it's a stoves. project that we are, I'm still trying to convince my wife of. Um, but we do have, it originally was a propane rain, um, range and we converted it back to natural gas once we got that line. Great. Um, but Two out of the four burners don't work, um, <laughs> and so we're we're like it's time to replace it. And doing sort of the studies, looking at different things, um, I've sort of gone towards the induction idea. So we don't allow combustion um, burning of combustion gases anywhere in our house. It's all sealed combustion at this point, except for ranges, just because we like it for our cooking aesthetic. And so we're really looking at moving to induction range. Um, the main difference really is the pot selection and the uh, amount of stuff that's available now. I even have a cast iron uh, pan that works for induction. So uh, I think that's the route we're going to be going. And it will take care of some of the additional pollutants um, that we have to deal with um, when cooking. Right, great. Yeah, and I think um, gas stoves are a big issue with Passive House. And I know yeah. that uh, we have another episode on Passive House, and Lois is not a big fan of those either. So, um, yeah. uh, And I also want to reference a little bit um, that was something that we've talked about is the value of these improvements. And I know you wrote a blog post about uh, <laughs> the value of energy efficiency improvements on your house in terms of market value. Um, can you talk a little bit about that and what your thoughts are? I guess the value or the lack of value. <laughs> um, it, it's one of the things that uh, Department of Energy, uh, the appraisal associations, they're all starting to get on board with this. Um, the number of homes that have now been rated as Energy Star has gotten into a capacity where it's starting to make an impact in the market. So people are actually considering uh, HERS index, energy efficiency, and seeing a benefit from it. Um, so you're starting to see it creep into stuff. Um, but you certainly have still the case of um, aesthetics, upgrades, um, being the primary driver of what the price is. I just read an article the other day, you know, if you paint your front door a gray-blue color, you'll add $6,000 worth of value to your house. <laughs> wow. And I was like, but I, I just put, you know, a generator. Did I get $6,000 worth of benefit back? Or uh, I, I improved my boiler and 
I might get the cost of it back, but did I get $6,000 back? You know, it, right. it really hasn't got to that point yet. Um, but the bigger part I think that's going to start getting into it is as we get more familiar with the health aspects of stuff, mm-hmm. that's going to have a huge uh, impact on how we really value these homes. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And I'll, I'll end on, um, do you, if we are talking in five years on this podcast, when we're still around, of course. When we're talking five years from now. <laughs> um, what will we be talking about then? Well, I'm guessing we're going to all be living in domes that <laughs> okay. are electrochromic windows that will change. Depend- no. um, <laughs> you have a lot of big hopes for the next no. five years. <laughs> we're going to be talking about the same stuff. Uh, <laughs> it, it's doing... It's the big part that we're doing is rather than being sort of on the leading edge and the early adopters, it's going to be mainstream. So Energy Star is now getting more of a foothold. You'll then start seeing passive house, zero energy ready homes. All those things are going to start becoming what is demanded by the market rather than the nice extra feature that somebody does. And that's really where I think the market's going to be going. That's awesome. Great. Thank you so much for being on Buildings and Beyond. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Buildings and Beyond. For more information about the topics discussed today, visit www.swinter.com slash podcast and check out the episode show notes. Buildings and Beyond is brought to you by Stephen Winter Associates. We provide energy, green building, and accessibility consulting services to improve the built environment. Our professionals have led the way since 1972 in the development of best practices to achieve high-performance buildings. Our production team for today's episode includes Dylan Martello, Alex Mirable, and myself, Heather Breslin. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week.